وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى And has the story of Musa reached you? A question is being asked. Meaning, have you heard about the story of Musa? Have you? Have you? Yes, you have. And the Prophet ﷺ, he was also familiar with the story of Musa ﷺ. But he's asked, وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى Has a story of Musa reached you? Why? Because when you're asked, do you know about this? Then what happens? Instantly, you become curious. What? I think I know. I already know. Yeah, but do you have something else to add? Right? Like for example, if somebody asks you, so do you know what happened yesterday? And you're like, yeah, what? You know what happened yesterday, but then why do you say what? Because you're curious. Maybe she knows something that I don't know. Maybe there's more detail to the story. Right? So this style, it makes us curious. It makes us eager to listen. And the Prophet ﷺ is addressed over here, وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسَى And the word hadith is used for a speech that has reached a person, meaning, and it's also used for news, right? Story. Hadith is also used for speech. So the hadith, the news of the Prophet ﷺ, his words, his statements, his actions, his approvals. إِذْ رَأَى نَارًا إِذْ when Picture this. رَأَى He saw. Who? Musa ﷺ saw. نَارٌ A fire. He saw some fire from far. And when was this? On his return journey from Madian back towards Egypt. فَقَالَ So he said, meaning when he saw the fire and he spotted the fire in the distance on the mountain, he said, لِأَهْلِهِ To his wife or to his family, because أَهْل is used for family and it's also used for wife. He said to them, أُمْكُثُ Stay here. ميم كَافْتَ Stay here. إِنِّي Indeed I أَنَسْتُ نَارَ I have perceived some fire. أَنَسْتُ From Hamza Noon Seen. Inas is to perceive, to sense something, to see something. And you know, sometimes you see something from far and you're wondering what is it and you feel afraid in your heart. But sometimes you see something from a distance and you feel okay in your heart. You feel relaxed. So Inas is to see something from far and also feel relaxed about it. You feel secure. It doesn't make you afraid. So he said, Inni Anas Tunara. I've seen some fire. You stay here. Let me go. لَعَلِّي So that I may آتِيكُمْ Come to you. مِنْهَا From it. بِقَبَسٍ With a flame. With a torch. You stay here. I'll go. And perhaps I can bring from there a torch. قَبَس is from the root letters قَاف بَسِين And قَبَس is basically flame that is taken from fire. So imagine a bonfire or something like that. And you want to light something else. So you need to take some fire from there. What would you do? You'll take like, not a piece of paper, but like maybe a piece of wood or something, right? And you would put it on the fire and when that piece of wood is on fire, then you would take it. So that piece of wood is qabas. Likewise, the word qabas also applies to a coal, a live coal. All right? Why? Because it's like fire that you're taking and you're going to light something else. So Musa said, I will go and take, bring some fire from there. Oh, or ajidu, I will find alannar at the fire, huda, some guidance. It seems like perhaps they were lost in their journey. It was nighttime, and maybe it was also very cold, because in the Quran, in another place, we learned that he said, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَسْطَلُونَ So that you may warm yourselves. So, whatever the reason was, Musa salam, he wanted to go and see what was going on at the place of the fire. Now, where was this fire? 
It was on a mountain. Right? On the Mount Sinai, in the desert of Sinai, the Mount Tur, that is where he saw the fire from a distance. And he wanted to go there. You know, there was a poet, Ghalib, he said that if you are concerned about your provisions, relax. Moses went for fire and came back with prophethood. He went to get some fire. For who? For his family. So that they would warm themselves. And what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him more than just a little bit of fire. And what was that? Prophethood. فَلَمَّا أَتَاهَا Then when he came to it, when Musa salam reached, finally reached that place where he could see the fire, diya, he was called out from nida. He heard someone calling out to him. And what was that call? Ya Musa. Oh Musa. Just imagine. It's dark, it's cold, you're alone. You go on a mountain. And you're wondering who's there. What's going on over there? And you hear someone calling you. Ya Musa. Inni, indeed I, meaning the one whom you hear. Ana, I, Rabbuk. I am your Rabb. I am your Lord. Fakhla'a. So remove. Khalam'ain. Khala'a is to take off, to remove. Like for example, one's garments or one's shoes, one's sandals. But remove gently. So fakhla'a. Remove. Na'alayka your sandals. Na'alayka. Sandals, both sandals. Why? What's the reason? Because innaka, indeed you, bilwadi, you are in the valley that is al-muqaddas, that is sacred. Muqaddas qaf dal seen. That is pure from impurity. That is mutahhar, that is mubarak, that is blessed. This is a sacred place. It is tuwa. It's the valley of tuwa. The name of that valley is tuwa. So Musa salam, as he reaches his destination, he hears a sound. And this noble sound, what he heard was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addressing him. Because in the Quran we learn, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى Allah spoke to Musa salam. Allah addressed Musa salam directly. Jibreel was not sent first to deliver the message to him. Rather Allah communicated with Musa salam directly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, I am your Lord, فَخْلَعْنَ عَلَيْكَ So since you are in a blessed, in a sacred place, remove your shoes. Why was he told to remove his shoes? The reason is given. You are in a sacred place. And in a sacred place, remember that you must be clean. Your clothes, your shoes must be clean. So some ulama have said that perhaps his sandals had some impurity on them. Or they were made from some impure material. So he was told to remove his shoes. Just like once the Prophet ﷺ, he was praying salah. He was leading the sahaba in prayer. And during the prayer, the Prophet ﷺ took his sandals off. And the Sahaba also took their sandals off because they saw the Prophet ﷺ doing that, so they did the same. So after the salat, the Prophet ﷺ asked him, why did you do that? They said, because we saw you doing it, so we also did it. He said, I removed my sandals because Jibreel told me that my sandals had some impurity on them. Because you don't know, right? What's under your shoe, what's on your side. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't see it. So remember that it's permissible to wear your shoes, your sandals, while you're praying, as long as they're clean. Right? So, Musa was told, remove your shoes. Why? Some ulama said, perhaps because his shoes were 
you know, had some impurity on them or they were made from some impure material. Allahu A'lam. But in addition to this reason, there could also be one more reason, which is adab, respect. Right? That when you are in a sacred place, then out of respect, what do you do? You take your shoes off. Right? Like for example, when you go to the masjid, what do you do? You don't just walk in with your shoes. You leave your shoes at the door. And also, remember that when a person is bare feet, meaning there is no shoes on their feet, then it's a more like natural state, right? And it's actually helpful in learning. You know that? When you don't have your shoes on, right? Shoeless learning is actually really good. It actually helps you in learning better. Because you can relax. When you're wearing your shoes, you can't really bend your foot. You can't really sit in any position that you want to. You're uncomfortable. Which is why one of the first things you do when you get home is what? Take those boots off. Not just shoes, boots. Right? And even sandals, even flip-flops, they can be pretty annoying sometimes because you have to keep, you know, taking them with you wherever you go. You can't relax. And when you're learning, one of the first things is that you must be relaxed. And this is something that is actually being studied now. And um, just in 2014, this report by BBC, I mean, it shows that there are some schools which are adopting this strategy, which is shoeless learning. Shoeless learning spaces, meaning when children come to school, they take their shoes off so that they can learn better. So let's just watch this quickly. Now, when it comes to helping children concentrate in class, schools in the South are really thinking outside the box. In the past, we've heard about classroom massages and reading dogs. When our school in Dorset has adopted a new technique to help children really pull their socks up. Sarah Farmer explains. Shirt, tie, and slippers. The Isle of Portland Aldridge Community Academy has a classroom dress code with a difference. They've adopted a no-shoes policy for lesson time. Kids take their shoes off, good things happen. Their behavior improves. It's really hard to be naughty with your shoes off. <laughs> it's even harder to bully with your shoes off. Secondly, the rooms are cleaner. And thirdly, the kids are happy to sit on the clean floor and read and do things comfortably. Students wear shoes when they're in the technology lab, and there's footwear available when they visit the bathroom. But other than that, it's socks and tights. Stripes seem to be on trend, with an occasional polka dot popping up. Some even have holy ones. And the teachers are suited and not booted, too. We wanted to engage the learners in every element of design in this building. And the children went off, they found out loads of examples from around the world. And they really hooked on the idea that student learning would be a good idea. So what do the pupils think? You go on the front of a shoes on, and you've been outside, and you might get really, might get it really dirty in that. It makes you a little bit relaxed because you can't touch the floor, and if you do, you can't feel the constant rubbing and the sound of your shoe rubbing against the floor. Do you know when you have like shoes on and it's really loud? It's like really calm when they don't have shoes on. Wow, they really seem to like it. But I had to ask. Is there a problem with smelly feet? Did you understand the last question? Smelly feet. And that girl said, yes, there are many smelly feet. This is why we have to do wudu, right? So that our feet are also clean. You know, one thing that was mentioned over here that when the kids are wearing shoes, then it's very noisy. And it's very noisy. 
it's extremely noisy because over here, the room where I sit in, generally do my work, it's actually quite far from all the classrooms. But you know that with these vents, right, everything is connected. So literally, sometimes I can hear every footstep of every child. And it gets so noisy. And, you know, in that noise, it's difficult to concentrate. And I'm wondering if I can hear this noise sitting here, I wonder how much noise is in their classroom. So anyway, alhamdulillah, they wear at least indoor shoes, not outdoor ones. Imagine if they had to wear outdoor shoes in class. So the thing is that when you have your shoes on, you're not that relaxed. Musa alayhi is told, And this is a benefit for us, a benefit that we can take for ourselves, that remove your shoes when you are studying. But please make sure you're indoors. Right? So right now, when you don't have your shoes on, inshallah, hopefully this should be good in our learning. Inshallah. إِنَّكَ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوَى وَأَنَا and I اِخْتَرْتُكَ I have chosen you. O Musa, I have chosen you out of all people. فَاسْتَمِعْ So listen attentively. لِمَا يُوحَى To that which is revealed, meaning to you. What is he told? After relaxing physically, then secondly, listen attentively. This is also one of the first steps in the process of learning. What lessons is he given? Innani, indeed I, and Allah, I am Allah, la ilaha illa ana, there is no deity except me, fa'budni, so worship me. Lesson number one, tawheed, there is no God but Allah. Wa'aqim and establish as-salata, the prayer, li for my remembrance. Lesson number two, prayer. So first he is prepared for learning. Remove your shoes, listen attentively. And then he's taught his lessons. First lesson of Tawheed. There is no God worthy of worship but Allah. And secondly, وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِ Establish the prayer for my remembrance. In other words, perform the salah in order to remember Allah. So if we want to remember Allah more, then what is it that we need to do? Perform the prayer. Because you see, when a person is performing the salah, they are fully, you know, doing dhikr. How? In their heart. Alright? Then with their tongue, and also with their body. And you're not even allowed to look here and there. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. And you're technically supposed to have khushur in salah. Right? You don't let your thoughts wander either. So fully concentrate. That's what you do in your salah. So, أَقِمِ salata لِذِكْرِ Now what kind of salah was Musa salam commanded to pray? Allahu A'lam. Whether it was four rakat, three rakat, how many times a day, Allahu A'lam. But he was commanded to pray. Some form of prayer. There must be some differences, but he was commanded to pray. أَقِمِ salata لِذِكْرِ What does this teach us? Salah increases our remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why salah is the key to improvement. In the Quran we learn, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَةِ Salah prevents a person from indecency and immorality. From bad actions. It's the key to improvement. So this is one of the first commands that Musa alayhi salam has given. Perform the prayer so that you may remember me. And this also teaches us that if a person does not perform the prayer, then are they really remembering Allah? Are they? 
No, because sometimes we think, well, it's okay if I don't pray. I remember God in my heart. No, no. That's really good you remember God in your heart, but you can't properly remember Him unless and until you perform the prayer. In sa'ata, indeed the hour, atiyatun, it is coming. See the urgency over here? In sa'ata, atiyatun, the final hour, the day of judgment is approaching. It's very near, it's coming, it's imminent, it's not far. Akadu ukhfiha, I almost concealed it. Ukhfi khafaya, I almost kept its knowledge with me. What does it mean? Meaning fully. Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala almost kept the knowledge of the hour with Himself alone so that people would have no idea even that there is a day of judgment that is going to come. So if Allah has informed us about the coming of the day of judgment, then what is it? This knowledge is a blessing. It's out of His mercy that He has warned us. It's out of His mercy that He has told us that the hour is coming. Because imagine if we didn't know. Imagine if mankind had no idea that there is a hereafter, then how would they live? We see the lives of people who live like that. Fasad, zulm, right? Or despair, giving up. إِنَّ السَّاعَةَ آتِيَةٌ أَكَادُ أُخْفِيهَا And part of the knowledge of the Akhirah, Allah has kept only with Himself. And what is that? When it's going to happen. لِتُجْزَى Why is it coming? So that He may be recompensed. هُوْ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ Every soul, بِمَا تَسْعَى Of that which it is striving for. تَسْعَى Sari To run. You know the sari between Safa and Marwa? So just imagine, every person is running in his life. Running after what? After what he loves. Pursuing his goals. Pursuing his desire or whatever it may be. Every person is running. You know, for instance, throughout your week, what are you doing? You're running after something. There's something that you want to accomplish. So whatever that we are trying to accomplish, whatever we are running after, that is what we're going to be recompensed for in the Akhirah. So what are we striving for? What are we running after? فَلَا يَصُدَّنَّكَ فَلَا سُنَاتْ يَصُدَّنَّكَ It definitely prevent you. صَدْ صَدْ دَالْ دَالْ What does صَدْ mean? To stop someone from doing something. Like the mushrikeen, they were يَصُدُّونَ عَنْ مَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ They were stopping people from coming to the sacred mosque. So فَلَا يَصُدَّنَّكَ Let him not stop you. عَنْهَا From it. From what? What was mentioned previously? The hour. In other words, don't let anyone prevent you from thinking about the last day, from preparing for the hereafter. Don't let anyone stop you from that. And who would that who would try to stop you from believing in the akhirah, preparing for the akhirah? The one who does not believe in it. Why doesn't he believe in it? He follows his desire. He wants to fulfill all his desires right now. And if you were to listen to him, and if you also reject the akhirah, you also forget the akhirah, then what would happen to you? Fataruda. Then you would perish. Radalya. Radiya. Not radiya with a blood, but with a dal. Radiya. To perish. Literally means to fall. So if someone falls, imagine in a ditch, from a mountain, from a building, what's gonna happen to them? They're destroyed. Fatarda. You would be destroyed. And remember that hellfire is also like a deep pit. 
What do we see in this ayah? Musa salam is being given this command with so much emphasis. The hour is coming. Realize this matter is very serious. Allah has warned you. Allah has warned people. They need to prepare for the hour. Yes, there are many people who don't believe in it, but don't let them stop you. Many times it happens that you make a change in your life. Why? Because you tell people, I don't want to be punished in the akhirah. What are you told? It's okay, no big deal. Allah says, لا يصدنك, Don't let them stop you. The decisions that you're making, keeping akhirah in mind, don't let people stop you. People who don't believe in the akhirah. Because if a person, he rejects the akhirah, he's rejecting a reality. He's only going to harm himself. فَتَرْدَى You would be destroyed. You would perish. You would harm only yourself. You wouldn't harm Allah. You wouldn't harm anyone else. You're harming yourself. And there are many people who have come up with you know, so many excuses and so many justifications for not preparing for the akhirah. Or not performing salah, for example. And they have very convincing arguments. You know, for instance, yeah, we've seen people who pray. And I've seen people who don't pray. And people who don't pray, they're much better. They say such things, so you wonder, yeah, salah is not that important. See these Muslims who believe in the akhirah, what are they doing? They cheat each other and they lie and they do so many wrong things. There's no benefit in this belief. Just do what you want to right now. No, Allah says, لا يَصُدَّنَّكَ Don't give an ear to them. Don't listen to them. Recitation of these ayat. وَهَلْ أَتِيكَ حَدِيثُ مُوسِ إِذْ رَئَيْنَا فَقَالَ لِأَهْلِهُمْ لعلي آتيكم منها بقبس أو أجد على النار هدي فلما أتيها نودي يا موسى إني أنا ربك فاخلع نعليك إِنَّكَ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوِي وَأَنَّ اخْتَرْنَاكَ فَاسْتَمِعْ لِمَا يُوحِي إِنَّنِي أَنَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاعْبُدْنِي وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ لِذِكْرِي إِنَّ السَّاعَةَ آتِيَةٌ أَكَادُ أُخْفِيهَا لِتُجْزِي كُلُّ نَفْسٍ بِمَا تَسْعِي فَلَا يَصُدَّنَّكَ عَنْهَا مَنْ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِهَا وَاتَّبَعَ هَوِيهُ فَتَرْدِي